0: Can you hear me? Rather will you hear me as I tell the stories from a fictional town? It's a place where questions are never allowed, where ears are tickled and eyes are blind to the truth of the gospel. No true follower of Christ wants to be there. And the ones who are don't believe they are, even when they're shown a map that states you are here. No, their hearts are filled with half-truths and pieces of various maps cut and pasted together with scraps of things they have heard by others. To open the one map that will get them to where they profess to be going would show them they aren't headed in the right direction. So they would rather not know. If you recognize the clowns and devilish schemes in our parable with real-world clowns and schemes, then you're on the right track. If not, Then perhaps you're here in Berean Gulf, where the gulf is not an expanse of water, but of gullibility. It was that time of year when the sky serves as an azure backdrop to a symphonic explosion of colorful autumn leaves. Oh, the freshness of cool relief from a long, hot summer, and the county fair was in full swing. Music, carnival rides, children's laughter, echoing happiness throughout the land, women pushing babies in strollers with one hand and holding the sticky paws of toddlers with the other, their men competing in clay chutes, tractor pools, and wife hurling contests. Yes, you heard that right. Whoever could hurl their wife the furthest onto a bouncy mat wins. The prize is a cast iron frying pan for her to clock him with. Pets competed in weenie dog races, jumping frog contests, and even not-so-real pets competed in rubber ducky races. Kids hopped and flopped in flower sacks racing to the finish. The most popular event was the judging of food. Entries ranged from pickles, jams, chili, barbecue, and even sauerkraut. Desserts with names like Love You a Latte Cookies and Don't Ruffle My Truffles could win blue ribbons by their names alone. But alas, the judges could only judge on a combination of requirements, presentation, taste, and texture. Pies could not have soggy bottoms. Cakes had to be beautiful, moist, and delicious. The top contender for desserts was the perennial champion Mabel Thorndale's peach cobbler, and running a tight second came Barbara Schumacher's Better Than Buster Brownies. The judging was just about to begin, when Halo, the clown prophet watching from the comfort of his office on multiple screens, from the security cameras hidden throughout the fairgrounds, jumped out of his office chair and zoomed in on an innocent-looking couple sitting in the front row, anxiously awaiting the announcements while feasting on something, well, deep-fried, of course, Myron and Nancy Stankle, his parents, the only people on earth who could blow his cover, refute the image of a poor boy raised in a tiny log cabin with a twin brother. Memories of being doted on an only child in a bustling metropolis by parents who gave him travel experiences instead of toys. Those memories came flooding back into his mind. He imagined those truths falling out of the sky like cluster bombs, demolishing the fortune he had amassed from the lies and deceit the folks in Berean Gulf swallowed. They must be stopped, but how? All of his goons were at the fair involved in some type of family event. His top goon, Samuel, was right there on stage next to his wife, Mabel, accepting another blue ribbon. The crowds gathered around the Thorndales to congratulate the winners, but his parents had left the tent. Samuel Thorndale had turned off his earbuds right before the judging began, so Halo's screams to run after the two fell on deaf ears. Myron and Nancy strolled happily along, passing the stage where a band was setting up to play, and then they passed multiple vendor tents, selling various items, from candles to Tilly Harris's items and books. Tilly herself sat amongst giant posters of her book, signing copies, when suddenly things got uncomfortable. The book cover screamed the same words, being screamed by the lead singer of the band on stage, "'Write it down, and tell them it's me.'" Everyone in the tent heard the same thing, read the same words on the cover of her books. Awkward! Tilly closed down, intending on confronting the plagiarist, but was soon engulfed in a mob of teenage angst, swaying to the hypnotic noise, resounding the same words, over and over and over more words than what she actually had picked up that day, when she had been caught in the windstorm and mistakenly believed she had been hearing from God, but in reality was hearing a radio playing this very song by this very band, Evil D. Light. She waited for the awful noise to end and then walked right up to Evil D. asking for a private conversation back at her tent. D., as he's known to his friends, Tells it like this quote, Yo, dis chickadee with cray, cray poofy do be rakin' big cheddar thievin' de rapas, own fine speakin's photo swag even Fido be wearin'. Yo, and then something else a sudden, clear, explicit, major bad word. We'll translate without the sudden, clear, explicit, major bad word. Quote, yes, This lady with crazy hair, coiffed atop her head like a twisted tornado, is making major money by stealing my lyrics and writing a best-selling book, marketing as the voice of God, to gullible Berean golfers who are also buying out all the side marketing items in conjunction with it, even products for pets. Yes, end quote that explicit bad word simply dropped out of his mouth of its own accord without the usual thrust of anger. It was as if it didn't belong there like a bowling ball on a golf tee, completely out of place. Rap music turned out to be the perfect hiding place for a young man tormented with Tourette syndrome, a neurological condition which causes involuntary jerks and tics, one of them being corporalia where the very worst of the worst words are spewed out mostly in the very worst of the worst places. For instance, someone with this disorder could yell out bomb in an airport, in whatever their spoken language, as it would be the worst of the worst thing to do in any language. Contrary to what most people think, it is not a choice, no more than the involuntary spasms people with cerebral palsy have. It may be why Dee and his neighbor Peter Wilson bonded, the only real friend he had growing up. Peter had cerebral palsy. They were the ones in the back of the church at every healing service, hidden in the dark with other truly crippled people. Peter's sweet mama always picked him up to go with them to those events. She was a woman with great hope and a God he mistakenly took to be just like that clown prophet, a mean, selfish faker. Mrs. Wilson was the only adult who invited D to their kids' birthday parties, and she never uninvited him, as others had. When D got kicked out of every party in every school, she accepted his tics and spurts with explanations to others. She even made cards for D to pass out which stated, I swear, I have Tourette's. And then she tutored him so that he could pass his GED. For D... He found his hiding place behind rap music. His tics could be disguised as part of his on-stage bravado. And getting kicked out of places for those very clear explicit bad words fit right in with the bad boy persona he worked hard to maintain. But we digress. Tilly and Dee eventually came to a mutual agreement in which he received a percentage of her earnings. Blood money, so to speak. They agreed to keep it their little secret as long as she paid him. Dee made a living off of rapping out anthems, denouncing God, and Tilly now knew the truth, but refused to repent and admit she had not really heard the voice of God. Money replaced the God she claimed to worship, and pride made her the star of the universe. After all, people believed God had chosen to speak to her. Poor Tilly is walking a treacherous path. James 4.17 says, Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. The right thing to do is to stop deceiving people, to pull her books and all items and admit she has sinned against God, like Doreen Virtue, a real-life former medium. When she became a Christian, she renounced her previous false teachings, pulled her items, contacted her publishers, and continues to do all she can to get everything off the market and out of the hands of the public. She has publicly apologized and has even gone on to earn a theological degree so that she can evangelize and share the gospel truth straight from God's Word. God bless Doreen Virtue. Tilly Harris should follow her example, right? And now back to our story. Halo continued to keep the cameras focused while he watched from his cell phone in the back of the limo headed to the fairgrounds. He had finally gotten through to Samuel, who was now stalking them. He followed them into the tent of Carrie Simpleton, who was stumping for mayor on a platform of, that was then, this is now, where she proposes that yesterday's laws become null and void each new day. She fills a clear glass of water to the halfway mark, displays the half-full glass, then fills it up the rest of the way. She claims the top half is fresh and new, while the bottom half is contaminated by time. Drinking half, she pours out the bottom half into a nearby plant. Makes perfect sense, right? Um, Uh -uh. I think not. No, no, no way. And that's all the time we have for this episode. For now, we'll leave you with the fireworks show, where the Stankles have parked themselves on the soft grass, ooing and aahing along with the crowd. Just next to them sit Dee and Peter, watching the beautiful explosive light show. Peter had noticed the nice looking couple sitting on the ground next to him, and then, in between the lit up sky, when things were as dark as dark, one by one they disappeared. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you think you're living in a Berean gulf, go to your Bible. Read it and know it well. There's nothing more powerful to fight against false teachings. It's our sword, and it is more powerful than our deceptive enemy. God breathed every single word of it, and he doesn't waste his breath. For more information, visit www.bereangulf.blogspot.com. That's www.bereangulf.blogspot.com. And finally, please listen to the following gospel message presented by Living Waters. Then go and share with others. God bless.
1: Meet Mr. Nice Guy. You think you're nice? This guy is really nice. Well, I try to do what's right. He's so nice that if good people get to heaven, he'll be the first in line. Ah, oh, shucks. So, Mr. Nice Guy, have you kept the Ten Commandments? Pretty much. Do you mind if we take a look at them and maybe see how nice you really are? Uh, okay. Great. Here's one. You shall not lie. Mr. Nice Guy, have you ever told a lie? Well, yeah. Who hasn't? What do you call somebody who tells lies? A liar. All right. How about another commandment? You shall not steal. Have you ever stolen anything, even once? Nope. But you just told me you're a liar. Well, I I did steal some candy once when I was a kid. And what do you call someone who steals? A thief. All right. Let's try another one. You shall not commit adultery. Oh, that's easy. I'd never cheat on my wife.
0: Hi, handsome. Oh,
1: baby! Jesus said, if you even look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Oh, uh, right. One more. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Have you ever used God's name to curse? mr nice guy is called blasphemy god gave you life and breath and everything you have and you've dragged his name through the dirt so by your own admission you're a liar a thief a blasphemer and an adulterer at heart and that's just for the ten commandments okay okay so i'm not perfect no actually it's worse than that Suppose we could put a chip in your brain that would record all your private thoughts for an entire week and then play those thoughts on a giant movie screen for all your friends and family to see. That would be embarrassing. Yeah, I know. The Bible says God knows everything, even the secret thoughts of your heart. Well, compared to some people, I'm a saint. Yeah, that's true. But the standard is God's law not other people. Besides, even if you sin just five times a day in one year, that's 1,825 sins. And if you live to be 70 years old, you'll have broken God's law over 127,000 times. You'll have to answer for every sin on Judgment Day when the Bible says each of us will give an account of himself to God. But God'll forgive me, right? Well, let's try that in court. Hey, look, I know I keep breaking the law, but hey, can't you, well, you know, just let it slide? Only a corrupt judge would buy that. A good judge would say, Justice demands that you pay for your crimes. God's not a corrupt judge. He's a holy, righteous judge. He hates sin. Jesus warned that on Judgment Day, everyone who had sinned against God would justly end up in a terrible place called hell, and there will be no escape for all eternity. Well, then how can anybody get to heaven? There's only one way. God loved the world so much that he sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life. He never sinned, not even once. Then Jesus offered to take the punishment for guilty sinners. He was whipped and beaten and nailed to a cross and died so that justice would be served and sinners could go free. Then Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death. You can't earn eternal life. It's God's gift to everyone who will humble themselves and come to Jesus. He'll forgive you, wash you clean, and give you a new heart. With new desires, the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So stop living for yourself. Turn from your sins and come to Jesus. Then read your Bible and obey it. Find a good church to help you grow. And then go out and tell other people the good news.